On this Wednesday, December 27th, we talked about a tax on vaping. The feds have already added an excise tax to vaping products. Well, now the province is going to double that tax. Will that actually help reduce use? We also heard from a Winnipeg man who started a GoFundMe campaign for a family who just came here in recent months from Ukraine. And the father in that family was stabbed last week to death. We heard from Winnipeg Police Chief Danny Smythe with his year-end interview with Global's Marnie Blunt. We also looked at happiness in the workplace. Looking back on the last month and year, one of the coolest places in the city needs your help with a little bit of a fundraising drive, talking about Del Navert Museum. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who is off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, December 27th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Braden Yuasco in for producer Jeff Forte and Master Control. And yes, we are live on this Wednesday, December 27th. And uh, Loren, I don't know about you, but uh, I feel somewhat, <laughs> I feel somewhat defeated by December and it's still not over. There's that like hangover effect. And I don't mean the actual like hangover, although I suppose that could be existing for many this morning too. There's that sort of like a little bit of melancholy, a little bit of looking back and reflecting on like the good times that you had. And it feels like, Oh, is it over or what's ahead? There's the money that was spent, Brett, the food, Mm -hmm. my God, the food that was consumed. I went to bed last night and had to like, I, I almost had to tie myself to the bed to keep me from going back out to the fridge to just think of other things to put that gravy on. You know, like I just, the food was calling to me. I was like, I wonder what else I could dip in that gravy. Like I've, you know, there's, but because it was all so good. Mm -hmm. And now you kind of like, look, you're trying to look back and be happy for the good moments you got to have if you were lucky enough to have them. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking ahead. I don't know. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was nice to have the four day break and, and it was largely relaxing. But at the same time, it was sort of jam-packed. Like Saturday, I started. It was my buddy's birthday. So I went, did some virtual golf at uh, the tee box just on uh, off Nairn beside the Pony Corral at noon that day. And my back has been sore ever since because <laughs> I didn't stretch or warm up. So my back's really tight uh, because I'm old, I guess. And then uh, Saturday night, went to some friends for Christmas slash birthday because it was another friend's birthday uh, the day before. And then Christmas Eve, went over to my dad's and my sister cooked up a really solid feast. And then back on Christmas Day, uh, just for some leftovers and some relaxation, we just sat around watching Friends. I can't, I don't even remember what channel was on, but they found like a Friends marathon and we just sat there for a few hours and watched Friends and ate some leftovers and it was nice. And then yesterday, I actually had plans to do stuff because I got a new microwave for Christmas because I don't, oh. I don't know how old my microwave is was, but it was a hand me down from some friends, and they said it was already a few years old when they gave it to me. It was a Sanyo brand. You remember Sanyo? No. Is that it even? Reminds, still- I don't know if that's even. It reminds me of a TV I had when I lived in Israel that wasn't like 
think it was top shelf or something. Like, you know, it wasn't even top field. It, was just like a, it felt like it was not even a real thing. Like, who made up this brand, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, Sanyo was a big brand once. No, no, I know. I, I have know. no idea if they still exist as a brand of electronics. Did so your I'm- microwave sound like it was taking off for space at a certain point? Is that where you were at within its, like, lifespan? There were a couple of times where, like, I opened the door, you know, when it's still cooking, and then you open the door, and it's supposed to stop cooking. And it would continue to cook <laughs> yeah. with the door open. It, came, like, it had a mind of its own. I'm like, okay, I probably have cancer now. And uh, and then it finally just stopped. Like I'd put food in and I'd, you know, fire, give it 30 seconds and hit start. And then it, nothing. It would just count down. But there was no, nothing happening. I Occasionally I'd give it a whack and it would come to life. But it finally just died. So I got a new microwave. So I had plans to take get my old one removed. And ready for transport to the 4R depot and put the new one up and tidy up my counter and wipe it all down and clean it up. And uh, I could not remove myself from the couch. I just sat there yesterday and did nothing. I was away. I think I got up at 1 p.m., <laughs> went back to bed at 8. I was just so tired. And I think part of it is because we still have New Year's to look forward mm-hmm. to. And I right now... Like I've got a couple of invites for New Year's Eve, but right now all I all I can think about is I just want to hunker down. Yeah, I, we packed a lot. We're like you. We packed a lot into the four days. Friends on Saturdays, uh, fun stuff on Sunday, then more company on Monday. And so when we got to yesterday, I just I the the struggle the struggle was real. You were a fool to even make plans, quite frankly, for Boxing Day. <laughs> that's just that's just a rookie move. Like you're old enough now to know better. You can't get to Boxing Day and and have big plans. Like we had like the thing is the thing is is that as you mentioned, just the I'm also just tired. Like a lot goes into, I was even excited on Christmas Eve, like with the anticipation of uh, Christmas morning for my family, just to see them and their faces and the kids and all that. And so there was also just less sleep as a result, forgetting about all the other things you and Biden. And then New Year's brings that a different kind of feel to it where you want it to be good. And it so rarely is. (laughs) So then you, well, that's not fair. Like I've had a lot of great New Year's. Don't get me wrong. It's just that there's an equal number where too much anticipation, you know, you set yourself up for a good time and it wasn't necessarily so you have this gap right now and i don't know what to do with it not to mention brett i cooked a 21 pound turkey oh boy and uh i don't know what to do with all that like i know i'll figure out a way but i need to know the statue and limitations on how how many days i can go into this turkey <laughs> can you freeze like how, do you have oh, enough yeah, to yeah. freeze yeah yeah I, i'm making i got a pot on already with the bones to make some soup and i'll freeze some for sure and the company we had on monday i gave what i hope was half to them just you know because they came and it's nice to go to someone's house for turkey dinner or whatever it might be but then you leave with no leftovers <laughs> so i always like to make sure that gets shared but there's so much turkey that i'm wondering like i'm waiting like what day do i get to this week where someone just cries uncle like I'm a turkey. I, I can't have turkey anymore this i just too don't much, want Mom. turkey anymore you know like I'm just picturing the days of the turkey, then the turkey becomes fajitas, and then the turkey becomes a casserole, then the turkey becomes a sandwich, and then the turkey becomes a soup. Uh, well, it sounds like a good time was had. I know that I had a good time. My guts feel rotten. Oh, I, gross. Need, I need vegetables stat. I need like just to go home and eat a head of lettuce or something. I did. I couldn't even. I don't even think I. All I had yesterday to eat was like an English muffin. I could. I was so full and just did not want to eat anything else. And yet I found myself craving like just bad stuff. So that's that's something I think a lot of us might feel this week. And we're going to talk a bit more about that tomorrow um, in terms of nutri- how do you try to bounce back and be a bit nutritious as we close out the holiday season. But we should also mention, Loren, 
as we listen to some country music that our friends down the hall at 99 have switched, have launched Winnipeg's new country, Country 99. For the flippers, if you like to flip around in the morning or through the day, Make sure you try out Country 99. You must be excited about this, Loren. Always nice to have a bit of extra. I'm a, I'm a country fan. And so this song in particular that Braden's queued up, this is a great driving song. And that just might be you. You're a person who likes to move around and listen to different things on the dial. And now you have a great country option. I'm excited for this for the folks at 99. And uh, always come back to us. We're always here for you. But if you want to dabble. Go for it. Keep it in the family as you flip around. Keep it around. in the family as you flip around. <laughs> Don't forget about our friends at Power 97, too. Winnipeg's best rock, Jay and Vicky, are on duty this morning. It is McGarry McNabb. Mackling is off this week. And we have a question for you as it pertains to gifts. Have you ever bought something for yourself that ended up someone else bought you the same present? Or perhaps you bought something for someone only to find out they went out and got it for themselves. Whether it's Christmas, whether it's birthday, whatever the occasion may be, we want you to weigh in on this because this is what happened with me and Greg. So a month ago, I went to the Third and Bird Christmas Market. That was the weekend of November 17th to the 19th out of Red River Exhibition Place. And one of the local makers that's always there is this place called Winnipeg North of Fargo. And they make really neat stuff that uh, they describe as making local vintage-inspired cottage art and city street decor and accessories. So they they make tea towels and fridge magnets and all kinds of throw pillows, anything you can think of with various historical images from throughout Manitoba. And I got Greg a couple of fridge magnets, uh, an old Winnipeg Jets one with, I believe it was their WHA logo, and one with a picture of the old Winnipeg Arena. And I got him an old towel or a towel with a picture from the from the Winnipeg Jets. And he, he, of course, he knew the moment. He's like, oh, this was in 1972. And you see this sign that gets cut off, you know, with the rest of the sign. So he was really excited. Uh, but while I was there, I also bought myself a fridge magnet with a picture from Transcona. It's an old picture that says, Welcome to Transcona, the hub of eastern Manitoba. 8,000 happy people, Transcona Board of Trade. And I've always wanted to buy something. They have all kinds of Transcona stuff, and I keep thinking I should get myself something. So I finally did. So then a month later, he gives me my gift, which was a Winnipeg Blue Bombers golf shirt, a really nice one, and... (laughs) Uh, the same fridge magnet that he bought at a store down in Richardson Square uh, from the same group north of Fargo. So I felt kind of bad. I could have just said nothing, but my instant reaction was, oh, shoot, I just bought this for myself. So anyway, I felt dumb. And I thought I never thought that uh, nobody or that anybody would would think to get that for me. I should have known better. So 204-780-6868. You ever buy yourself something? That someone else buying for you, or the reverse, you bought something for someone else, only to find out that they couldn't restrain themselves and bought it for themselves. Cam Poitras, let's start with you, sir. Well, it was the infamous uh, Dutch oven situation of, <laughs> uh, I think it was 2019. Uh, there was a fantastic sale going on at a certain uh, store, and I noticed how good of a deal it was. And I mentioned something, and this was in the middle of the summer. Uh, and it was approaching my birthday, and I had mentioned something to my mom about it. And, um, yeah, well, you know, I went out because it was such a good deal. I didn't want it to pass. So I went and bought myself one, 
and then lo and behold, my birthday comes by, and there's this orange Dutch oven sitting there in the in an in, in, in under wrapping for him. Mama, oh man, I just bought myself this. Because I didn't want to let it, I didn't want to give, but then you got to go exchange it and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, no, it was, it, it, it's, it's always, you, there's like, it's like a sheepish moment. Like you feel foolish, even though it's, it was, you, you had no idea. Nobody had any idea, but it's always like, oh, I just bought myself this. You know what I mean? But you did say it, right? Like you, and you returned it? Yeah, I know. I did return it. No. Um, but. Uh, That's hard too, to, to, cause you feel, you feel you, like you're saying you feel bad, but you feel bad for the person who did it. Yeah. Like, and, and then they don't know what to do. And then you're having this whole like, well, I could return the other one, you know, and keep it. The other yours. one was already open and I think it <laughs> made a couple of things of soup already at that point. So I don't know <laughs> if I could have returned it. Like what, what is the thing? Like it, I, I realized just the other day that I actually have a Dutch oven. It's just a thing I call a pot. Like what's the difference to you? What do you do with that? That's so much better. Well, you can, you can like put it in the oven, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you can saute with it. It's, it's more of like, it's more versatile, I would say. Like you can, mm. you could really start getting things going. I wouldn't do that in like a normal pot. I guess you could technically, uh, but then you got the big heavy lid. You can throw it in the oven. It's yeah, no, it's, um, it's great. Did you get something cool in, in, in exchange? When I think you I took- got some knives or something like that. Okay. Or, um, yeah. Something like that. So it wasn't a loss. No, no, it was it was it was not by far from a loss, but it's just like there's it's just like the sort of that awkward moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Skyler Peters, I think you did you did you have something like this happen this year? Yeah, it was it wasn't like the biggest uh, gift of all time, but just trying to kind of fill out my dad's uh, Christmas bounty, I guess, and popped by a certain wholesale retailer where the clothes are uh, very cheap and in the middle of the store. Also, you can get lots of good other things. I think everyone knows where that is. Where, 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 where could this be? <laughs> and the parking well, lot sucks. Is, well, magical land. Can you get a hot dog at this same spot? Yeah, yeah very affordable hot dogs I in this I, joint. I think that's my favorite hot dog in the world. I don't know. About oh, it's this definitely place. mine. Definitely mine. So I pick up this. Uh, it was like less than 20 bucks. or It was like nineteen ninety nine. little sweater. I uh, figure my my mom says my dad uses the same like quarter zip for like four days of the week uh, out of five. So I was like, oh, I'll pick one up for him. Um, he opens it on Christmas morning this year. And I realize as he's opening up my blue Eddie Bauer quarter zip uh, hoodie that I got him, he's currently wearing a black Eddie Bauer quarter zip hoodie <laughs> from the same store. Uh, so I was like, ah, well, I, you know, they're different colors. I didn't feel too bad. And then I, he turned, my mom made him turn around and showed uh, him he showed me the holes that are all in the back of it and along the sleeve. And I was like, okay, so we could put the black one out to pasture. <laughs> you got the blue one now. Was hanging, Every, it's he, all he good. He was hanging on to that thing, eh? Yeah. Well, I got, I think I got that for my dad too. Cause I got, I still got like a 10 year old shirt. I'm still wearing my girlfriend's like, you can get a new white t-shirt. Like it's not the craziest shirt of all time. You know, like, Absolutely oh, I've had the shirt from the gap for five years. It's been great. But, no, you uh, can't yeah. get a new one. You must wear it this until is, it turns until, to dust. Until there are holes in it. And there are none yet. Yeah. So, uh, my dad's got a brand new sweater to wear today. Excellent. Loren, what about you? I don't have an example of, of the, like the same as you guys with the oven or the sweater, but I I have at least twice in my life, probably more, bought myself a sweater that I already own. Where I like I bought <laughs> I've and I'm never like I love no. Well, you're That's like this impressive. looks good. Like it's not exact. Sorry, I shouldn't say it's exactly the same, but it's so close that you're like, oh no, like, you put it on. You're like I love this, love the color, love the length, love the fit. And then you get home and you look in your closet and you're like, because it looks just like this sweater right here and the one before it. So the one was blue for sure, and the only difference was just a little bit like on the length around it. Otherwise, it could have been the exact same thing. And, the, and then the other one was a hoodie. 
Like I've done it, and I I have to rem- I have to now say to myself in the store, "Are you liking this?" Because you own something either the same or similar to it. That's how boring. Just based on looking are. at my girlfriend's closet versus mine, I would say that happens to women more often than men. I'm going to so? go out on a limb and, and say that. Yeah, um, I think I think it's the style. You just like how it looks, and then next thing you know, you realize you have 14 different variations of pretty much the same thing. My father-in-law would buy three of the. If he liked a shirt, he'd buy three of them. Yeah. And then just once one got ratty, just toss it. Yeah. Decades on. worth of shirts. He's, yeah, we just have backups. That's what Skyler's white shirts all about. He, he you would just have, let her know no, that would, it's actually. I would have a backup. He, he, would, he, never just buy, he would never just buy a pair of shoes. He'd buy three. Because then he would have. Because he liked them, so he'd have two more afterwards. And Braden in Master Control and for Forte, what about you? Uh, yeah, there was one year where my uh, friend was talking about this comic book coming out or something. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a try. I haven't read in like seven years, so I'll just buy it. I'll Sorry, buy this what? book. <laughs> So I go and buy this book, and we talked about it, and I, I assumed it was coming out, so he didn't have it. And then so it was Christmas time. He bought me the book. I bought him the book. We both already had the book. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Four so you, bucks. That's actually cute. That's, that's cute. What was the comic book? Uh, I, it was some Justice League one I think he really wanted. And, okay. But I guess just bought it for himself. <laughs> Did you read oh, it in good. the end, Brayden? Uh, no, I never read it. <laughs> Brayden hasn't read in 13 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> and that was 1999. 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $25 gift card. Have you ever bought a gift for yourself at, that someone else ended up buying for you as well? Or have you ever bought something for someone else that they had already bought for themselves? 204-780-6868. Occasion matters not. Christmas, birthday, Valentine's Day, whatever. It is McGarry and McNabb. If you're just tuning in, our new friends at Country 99 have launched Winnipeg's new country. So we'll be playing lots of country music through the day to help celebrate that. Greg is off this week. Braden's in for Forte and Master Control. And we're asking you at 204-780-6868 before we introduce our next guest. We want to know if you've ever bought yourself something that you ended up getting as a gift or you bought someone else something that they already bought for themselves. What does Bobby say, Loren? When I was a kid, one Christmas, both sets of grandparents bought me the exact same house coat. <laughs> I think my mom returned one, and whenever the grandparents were over, we were, we pretended it was just the one they bought. It's kind of a boring gift to get from your grandparents, isn't it? Aren't the grandparents, don't they usually come through with, like, the fun stuff? Yeah, but also, I don't know, like, house coats can be fun. It depends on the kind of house coat. And there was certainly a year, like, when I was younger... Where like the house coats and the pajamas and all the rest were just sort of the the, the staple yeah. for grandparents, I think. Right? They knew like it's hard. The older the kids get, you know, it's hard to figure out what to buy people. And you look at that and you think that's not a bad one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for a chance to win a twenty five dollar gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Tell us a story for a chance to win. We'll pick that winner just after nine fifteen. We talked about as far as my mood goes for this time of year. December is a great month. It's a fun month, regardless of whether or not the the weather made things weird this year. It didn't really feel quite like a usual Christmas. But in general, in spite of my exhaustion mentioned earlier, I feel somewhat defeated by Christmas. Uh, It's a good month overall, and I'm pretty happy and satisfied and fulfilled, etc. Well, that's good to hear, because as we look back on the year, there are a lot of people who will measure how we're all feeling, right? And the folks at ADB Canada, which is a company that provides 
products and services in the HR world, they've shared our latest happiness scores. They go out and do an index on where we rate our happiness. And there's a bit of a mixed bag here. Some optimism as we head into the new year when it comes to our workload. But then there's a growing concern and no surprise overcompensation. Put up your hand if you're feeling like, you know, you're not making ends meet here. So Heather Haslam is Vice President of Marketing at ADB Canada and joins us now to share more. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for getting up early with us. Let's go over the scores first, Heather. Where's the happiness? Where's our happiness landing this month for Manitobans? Well, it really uh, dwindled. So the happiness at work uh, across Canada actually decreased for all indicators in December and uh, significantly dropped uh, specifically in Manitoba and Saskatchewan um, and actually dropped to the least least happiest region in December with down to a score of 6.5 out of 10. So what's pushing those scores down? Uh, it's a good question. So the, the ADP Canada um, Happiness at Work Index is really measuring happiness on two pieces. So the first part is the primary indicator. And the primary indicator is a self-reported sentiment, simple question of how happy are you with your current role and responsibility? And then the second half of the score is made up of these secondary indicators. And they go across work-life balance and flexibility, uh, recognition and support, Uh, Compensation and benefits, you alluded to, that's a big one and it had a a significant drop, as well as options for career advancement. So it's really important to actually dive into the secondary indicators to get a good idea of what's happening. And unfortunately, in addition to the primary uh, score dropping down uh, 0.2 from November, so did all of the secondary indicators across the country. Is there a why behind that in the sense of like you've outlined the categories, but is it because we get to the end of the year and we reflect on our bottom line? Like I might be looking ahead to enjoying future endeavors at work, but still stressing about money that's coming in. Is it because we spent more money in December or are spending more money, Heather? It's, it's a very good question. So the study we have now been doing for a year, so we're starting to see some seasonality to the scores. We also have hypothesized in previous months when we saw certain regions that were really struggling with things outside of work, you know, when we had uh, wildfires, when we had uh, dips in the economy, we could actually start to not necessarily see a causal impact, but there was a high correlation. So now the question is, why are we seeing a significant drop in work-life balance and flexibility? It could be that recognition. The fact that compensation and benefits is also down uh, 0.2, now down to 6.1 out of 10, could be that, you know, we're doing that pause and uh, potentially Christmas time is an expensive time for many folks. Um, I think also as we look forward and we reflect into the next year, the the options for career advancement, what it is that we need from our employer to uh, get the necessary training, the skills development, and provide opportunities, that score also dropped. It's down to a 5.9 out of 10. And I see that younger people are less optimistic and less happy than than boomers. So... That surprises me. Um, that's that's a that's a very interesting element. So one thing that we have seen is that the happiest generation um, across the board for the the eleven months that we've been looking at this um, are boomers. 
Unfortunately, boomers dropped down as well in their happiness score in December, but they are still the happiest uh, generation. Uh, millennial workers uh, recorded their lowest score, now down to a 6.5, and that was a, a decrease of 0.3 from November. And when we look at what's driving that, that secondary indicator around options for career advancement and compensation and benefits are really driving that for younger people. And when we start to really dive into that, that makes sense, right? Those boomers are less potentially concerned about career advancement because they're towards the end of their career versus younger folks are really focused on what opportunities there are as well as compensation. When we look at Gen X, they report the lowest score for the eighth executive um, consecutive month, uh, which is quite significant. And they're really looking for, uh, again, compensation benefits, but also flexibility. Work-life balance is very key to younger generations. Heather, we thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I do hope uh, I do hope that you guys are both happy at work and getting what it is that that you need. It certainly feels that way. Well, thank you so much, Heather Haslam, Vice President of Marketing at ADP Canada. And you can feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. I'll, I'll say this, Loren, while I'm happy at work, I, uh, I feel like I need to make some changes because I'm just, I'm tired all the time. And uh, that's not... Uh, necessarily a reflection of the job, but it's a Mm -hmm. reflection of the fact that I just, you know, I've developed some bad habits at the start of the pandemic and they've just kind of continued and I just, I'm not taking care of myself the way that I used to. I got to fix my diet. I got to start exercising more Mm -hmm. because I'm just, I feel like a slug all the time. I'm not sitting and going, "Mm mm-hmm, because you should, but because I relate very much to what you're saying. And sometimes I think it's easy to say it's the job and that you wonder, all the things in and around the job, are you putting your best foot forward, right? Like, is it really the work or the workload? Or is it how you are entering your work day or exiting it at any given time? Let us know what you think at 204-780-6868. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. We're asking you at 204-780-6868. Have you ever bought yourself something that someone else ended up buying you for a gift, or vice versa. You ever buy something for someone else that they ended up buying for themselves, whether it was Christmas, birthday, whatever the occasion. What does Jason say, Loren? Jason says, my wife asked multiple people for a food processor last Christmas, received two, both still haven't been opened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. That's a potential other good topic. You ever ask for something and then not use it? And as far as the the gifts go, I'm remembering now that I almost bought something for myself that was in the hopper as a birthday gift. I was out at HMV with my dad, I think at St. Patel. It was 1993. I can't remember. There were two albums I wanted. I'd asked for both of them. And one of them I really, really wanted, like right now, even though my birthday was was still two weeks out. It was either the... uh, the Janet Jackson album that was simply called Janet, or it was Dance Mix 93 from Much Music. I can't remember which one. I had it in my hand and said, I can't wait for this. I'm going to buy it. And my, and my dad had to spoil my birthday. He said, no, you're not. You can't buy that. And I said, why not? He said, because your sister already bought it for you. Oh. I'm like, ah, shoot. So I had to put my dad in an awkward position where he had to spoil a gift. 
But I kept my mouth shut on my birthday when uh, I opened it and was very happy. It was on cassette as well. Not just I, CD, it was on cassette. Cassette. Putting it in the old ghetto. I had to do that this year with one of my kids' presents because it was a book. And they referenced that they were going to go get it. And then I had to sigh and say, don't, please. That You know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> How often do you think that happens? Oh, I bet you once a year with someone in someone's family. And it was always a problem for me too, around my birthday and around Christmas, as it pertained to those HMV style gifts, whether it was albums or yeah. movies, because there were always a whole bunch out. of movies I want. But then I have to wait because I don't know which ones are going to end up being purchased for Christmas or for the birthday. I'm like, I can't go buy this because somebody might get it. And then if I don't get it, uh, then I feel that urge on Christmas Day. Like, I got to go. I want this. I want this right now. Even though I got seven other things, I want this one that I didn't get. So we always want what we can't have, I guess. Grass is greener. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. We've got our weekly Jets report, our Wednesday Jets report with Paul Edmonds coming up just before 7.55. But right now we want to ask you a question of the day that went up on Friday at cjob.com. What are you most looking forward to in 2024? 17% say colder weather and snow. 31% say a winter holiday. And 52% say a long Jets playoff run. And on the subject of the colder weather and snow, I know that while I haven't, exactly minded not being frozen like i think i've worn my mitts twice this season it did feel weird over the month of december and i i genuinely feel bad for people who look forward to winter activities like snowmobiling for example around oh i just saw a few people on so we got a skiff of snow was it christmas eve day and then a bit into Christmas Day in my neck of the woods. But prior to that, I just couldn't stop saying, oh my gosh, look how little snow there is. And yet always this time of year when there's people who are so anxious, they'll use whatever they can to create some sort of snowmobiling adventure. And the ditches, you know, have people going through them because there was more snow down in there. And I did, you're right. I felt bad because there's a lot of people who get excited. Uh, there's people, there's ski hills that would be busy this week. And I know they can create snow if they have the right conditions, but people like to have a bit of the fresh stuff too. And so you want to know that the, the hill is good. So you might be making those phone calls to see. And then, of course, when you talk about the river trails, Brett, you look ahead. And there's been years, I think the third week in January, I remember one year, it didn't open until late, like the third week in January, and it was only about three or four weeks in operation. So they'll do their best to do it. But you got to wonder what's going on when you have – it's not the same as the lake when you have moving water like that, right, in terms of how quickly it might be prepped for a river trail. So I like this time of year. If you like winter, then it needs to be winter. Mm. And this doesn't really feel like it, right? Like you're now you're in this point where you're not outside warm. You're kind of outside cold, but you can't do half the things because you're just not there yet. Yeah, like I was – when we went over the, the Osborne Bridge this morning and I looked to the east, it looked like there was still open water on the Assiniboine. Of course, we just blew by in a taxi, so I didn't get the best look and it was dark. But uh, yeah, I wonder how much they'll be able to do on the river. Hopefully they'll be able to do something at least. But even as I look at this long-term forecast for the next, so for the next week or so, we're still in single digit highs. And then it looks like after uh, January 4th, uh, we might start to see some temps in like the minus 11, minus 12, which is a little bit cooler. It's not too bad. But uh, barely any snow in the forecast across the board. And 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I don't really, I don't quite know how to feel about this. It's been nice not being frozen and not having to wear my winter boots and not having to wear a toque and not wear mitts. But it did take away, I think, some of the festive spirit for me in December. And and just when I think about the businesses that might rely, like you know, snow clearing businesses, mm-hmm. for example, they got I when it started, we got that early snowfall, and it snowed like quite frequently over the over a few days. And there were guys just outside our building, for example, at two hundred one Portage. There was a team that was there at six a.m. every day for several days, cleaning up. And I thought this is going to be a good year for for companies like that. And then it's been essentially quiet ever since. And I think that there be that worry, right? That it's not just what's on the ground or the temperature; it's how that affects your mood and your attitude in terms of wanting to do any of those rec activities. You know, like if you're a, if you're a cross country skier, is there just enough snow for you to get out there? If you're someone who got a pair of skates or snowshoes for Christmas, where you're going to use them, and then what what side business might be impacted by that lack of interest? Because it, that even if it got a little colder. I don't know if I'm in the mood for those cold weather activities because I would just be settling into the cold a month late, it feels like. Oh, that's fair. So you, you, because by January, you've, you've gotten used to the cold and now you're right. Now the holidays you're ready to are do over. All the things, yeah. And you're ready to go outside and be like, okay, it's cold so I can sit inside and whine about it or I can go out and enjoy it. Yeah, that makes sense. And you're right. But if, it, if we do enter into some sort of a deep freeze, <laughs> that first one's really going to stink. It's going to be hard, and it's coming. You know, you've got to think it's coming sooner or later. I don't know. It's just a weird year. It reminds me. I was just saying the other day. This reminds me when my first son was born. It was a winter that was kind of black, like this. In that the fog, all sorts of foggy days. Mm-hmm. I was. We were driving into the city to get some last minute things on Saturday, so that'd be the twenty third. And I just, I, I could not. As I said, I could not stop. Every five minutes, I was like, "Look at the brown!" Like, and then it was filthy, and it's it's slushy, and it's gross, and so it's not even that pretty type of winter that you get so excited about, right? With the white and the, like, you got a beautiful night, like the, waking up this morning, and the the moon is out, and it feels like it's a cane upon a midnight clear type Christmas carol, and then it's like wah wah by the time the sun comes up. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That, that that would that would be something I, I, I that's something I do miss is uh, going for a walk on a day where it's snowing, and it's snowing real good, but it's not windy. So mm-hmm. it's just like that fluffy snow that's falling. And I'm sure it's like a nightmare to drive in because the visibility is poor. But if you're just going for a walk, it feels like you're walking through a snow globe. And I love that. Love it. On the other hand, there'd be people who are on road trips this week, right? Like people who choose to travel at Christmas or on their break really count on having the good days. And you know, it's always kind of a crapshoot where one of the days ends up having a blizzard or bad weather. And so mm-hmm. when you're looking ahead, you think, okay, well, it's not bad to hit the road. And 31% say they're looking forward to a winter holiday. Have you, have you ever been big on the, the winter holiday? Like I got to get out of the, the colder weather and get to some warmer climbs? I like to go, but I don't need to. Like I'm not craving it the way some other people do. I can go any time of year. Yeah, some people really have that wanderlust where they just can't. Like it's almost like it's part of their DNA. Or I must get on a plane and I must get out of here. I must get free. Like you're trying to break free from the matrix or something. Get me out of the winter. And I've never felt that pull. I've only been to Mexico once in my mm. life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go, we go, but it does not have to be in the dead of winter. Perry at Malachi says the weather has canceled his plans to head to the lake. There's just no snow for snowmobiling on the lake, so the lakes are as safe as they can be. Mm. It might be just enough, you know, ice for those those lakes might have been cold enough, depending on the lake you're talking about. But yeah, you don't even want to head out there because you can't do all the things that you might have normally done. Yeah, that's right. I have a friend who has a lake out at Malachi. It's boat access in the summer and it's snowmobile access in the winter. Great point, Perry. So feel free to weigh in on our question of the day at cjob.com. What are you most looking forward to in 2024? But in the meantime, we must switch gears. We have our weekly Wednesday Jets report. And heading into the holidays, it was quite a run the Winnipeg Jets put together, including one of their newest players in Gabriel Velarde. So the farmer, L.A. Kings first rounder, is currently enjoying a period in his career like no other today. I think that's safe to say. He's become the talk of the town, maybe. And as Paul Edmonds explains, the jumping off point to a potential career year for him really started with a visit to a pretty familiar place. Ironically, it all started for Gabriel Velarde in Los Angeles, the place he began his NHL career and played for parts of four seasons before an off-season blockbuster trade last June landed him in Winnipeg. Nobody was quite certain at the time what Velarde would provide the Jets, but most of us were confident it would include some scoring, a big-body presence with a right shot, and a responsible commitment to the defensive side of the game as well. And by all standards, it's been a brief introduction, but one that has shown tremendous promise, starting with that four-point night in L.A. earlier this month. A comeback victory, no less, for Winnipeg in a game where Velarde and his line mates absolutely dominated. For his part, the Kingston, Ontario product had three primary assists that night, including one on the game-winning goal, to go along with a goal himself, which has since turned into five consecutive games with a goal to date and 12 points for the 24-year-old. Without a doubt, it was Velarde's official arrival to Winnipeg in a poignant moment. In his post-game response to what was a special but emotional return to L.A., Velarde was blunt and revealing. To paraphrase, he indicated to reporters that the outcome was indeed satisfying, but the hurt of being traded still raw. As he finished his availability, saying, quote, They didn't want me. That statement was a two-pronged message, initially to the Kings for discarding him and the other to the Jets for providing a new and exciting landing zone in his career, one rife with potential as both his goal and point production thus far are each on a career-high pace. Yes, it was only two weeks ago that Velarde enjoyed one of his finest nights in the National Hockey League and potentially one of many more to come as a Winnipeg Jet. And wouldn't you know, it happened in a place where it all started for him, in Los Angeles, ironically. Thank you very much, Paul Edmonds. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week, hearing a lot of country music today in honor of Country 99, Winnipeg's new country, launching today, our friends down the hall. So if you like to flip around when you're listening to the radio and you like country music, check out Winnipeg's new country at Country 99. Also a heads up, no connecting Winnipeg today. We have a special for you. Richard Cloutier's Ringing in the News Year special will run from 10 a.m. until noon in place of connecting Winnipeg. Some of the top stories, trends, and news to come in 2024. But right now, we want to talk about, well, this next one had me pausing and reflecting on whether or not it was time to just say goodbye to vaping. Yes, I vape. I'm a 
person who is a longtime smoker tried and failed to quit smoking many times, so I switched to vaping as an alternative. Uh, but the costs, Loren, I mean, one of the things that made vaping attractive on top of I didn't quite feel so awful, but it was way cheaper once upon a time than smoking. We've learned that costs, though, will go up. So the federal government has already put an excise tax on vaping. I think that went in the back in the fall, Brett. Yeah, it's been it's been I think I think it was last fall. Okay. Uh, I can't remember when they when they dropped that on us, but yeah, it it uh, it basically doubled the cost of uh, my stuff. Yeah. So now Manitoba says it's going to join other provinces and also increase that tax by July 1st. And so they'll double the existing federal excise tax with the NDP telling the Canadian press the goal is to discourage vaping, especially among young people. So does that work? Rob Cunningham is a senior policy analyst with the Canadian Cancer Society and joins us now. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Lauren. Before we get into the costs and, and what this tax might bring, Rob, I'm curious, where do the num- what do the numbers show when it comes to vaping? Are we seeing a rise in its use or is it going down? What can you tell us? Yeah, no, we, we've, <laughs> we've had a tremendous increase in vaping among youth um, in Canada. During uh, COVID, there's kind of a kind of plateaued a bit um, because, you know, youth were just at home around their parents quite a bit. They weren't able to get to stores. They weren't able to socialize as much with their friends. You know, so we had in the most recent survey, uh, 21, 22 school year, a bit of a decrease. But, you know, because of the COVID impact, we want to see another survey. But we're very concerned you know, by the very high rate of youth vaping. Such progress uh, you know, that's been made to reduce youth smoking that we don't need a new generation of kids becoming hooked on nicotine. And that's what's been happening. Where are they getting it? When we're talking about youth, we're talking about people under 18? Uh, in Manitoba, uh, the minimum age is 18. That's correct, for both tobacco and e-cigarettes. Um, you know, they're getting it from different places. Uh, you know, some stores will sell illegally. Um, some kids are going able to get it on the Internet. You know, they have ways now, you know, with their own credit card or prepaid credit cards or even a credit card, you know, that their parents co-signs um, that they can get them. Um, but there's also older kids who are of age, 18, you may be in high school, and are able to buy them and then, you know, reprovide them to others in school. I mean, we didn't have the internet when I was growing up, but there were kids that would buy all sorts of things for anyone who wanted it. And it doesn't surprise me to hear that would happen with this type of product, Rob. And so with that rise in youth vaping, the goal, I mean, yes, the tax dollars bring in further dollars to governments, but both federally and provincially, the governments have said they want to reduce youth vaping and reduce vaping overall. So I know it's different from province to province, but with the added federal excise tax and then the NDP saying they double that existing tax, what does that add on average, can you say, to the average product or, or, or yearly cost for the vapor? So uh, you know, there's a couple of points. Um, you know, we have all of, of 13 provinces and territories, there are four that have their own provincial e-cigarette tax already. Um, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and Labrador. The other nine have said they're going to participate um, with the federal e-cigarette tax. And that's expected you know, to come into por- force uh, July 1st, 2024. As was mentioned, the federal uh, you know, uh, tax came into force at the manufacturer level October 1st in the fall of 2022. And then at the retail level, January 1st, 2023. So, 
it's hard to say exactly how much it's going to increase uh, the price because there's a variety of different um, e-cigarette products out there, and it's going to affect them differently. Um, but it, you know, e- the, the cost, you know, the weekly cost or the monthly cost is going to be still way cheaper than for cigarettes. Um, and we know from the studies that higher tobacco taxes uh, reduce youth smoking. And we also have, there's a smaller number of studies, but you know, higher prices uh, for uh, e-cigarette products are going to reduce uh, youth vaping. Now, the, the really low cost compared to cigarettes um, has been a factor um, you know, why youth are, have been attracted to vaping. Also because it's available, it's not seen to be as harmful you know, the wide availability of flavors, um, you, know, the, you know, the fact that it seemed to be cool, various marketing approaches. So there's a number of factors. We need a comprehensive strategy, but higher prices is one of them. Any indication that these, is it, so do you really, do you believe that this, this further tax will actually work, will, will discourage people, whether they're young or older? Yes. And I think there are some studies, you know, with respect to that, you know, that it's not going to eliminate all youth vaping. Uh, but it will have a reduction. And uh, youth are especially responsive to changes in price, and that's good. But we do to need to do more things. One thing that the new Manitoba government could do um, is to have a minimum age 21 for both tobacco and cigarettes. PEI has already done that. Um, there are 30 U.S. states that have done that. There's also a minimum age 30 for both tobacco and cigarettes in the U.S. I'm sorry, minimum age 21 uh, for tobacco and cigarettes. And that really puts it beyond high school. And, you know, people, uh, you know, parents and grandparents who smoke or vape, they don't want kids uh, to be doing that. And so I think that's uh, among the measures that Manitoba could do. Is that actually like, you know, you talk about kids still can get it from other sources. So does the 21 threshold actually show that we have less youth vaping or smoking in those jurisdictions? Yes. And, you know, it, uh, you know the United States, you know, they implemented this in December 2019. And they uh, have had more progress in reducing youth vaping uh, than Canada. And, um, and, that's, and that is the main difference in terms of public policy. It's, it's not perfect. You know, kids, you know, many kids are still going to be able to get it. But, you know, for that, uh, if you're 16 or 17, you're probably going to know someone who's 18, uh, a brother or a sister or a friend who's going to get it for you. But if you're that same 16 or 17-year-old, it's going to be harder to have someone who's 21. Uh, you know, you're less likely. Some, some will. And also, in terms of a store, um, you're more likely to refuse a sale for someone who's further away from the age, you know, because of how old they look or whatever. You're supposed to be asking for ID, but that doesn't always happen. So if the minimum age is 18, you know, some are 16 or 17, ah, oh, they're 18. But if the minimum age is 21, um, your stores are more likely to refuse. So it is a factor. It's a solid factor. We have public opinion polls uh, that have been conducted that show tremendous support for this measure across the country. There's also support for having a, a tax on e-cigarettes as a measure to reduce youth vaping. And so we now have Manitoba joining, you know, Manitoba was the last to make this announcement. Um, all other provinces and territories either have their own provincial e-cigarette tax or are going to participate. And because of the time of the Manitoba election, I think it's probably the factor in terms of why Manitoba was delayed. And now that's behind and the government can move forward with this decision. Rob Cunningham, Senior Policy Analyst with the Canadian Cancer Society, joining us live on 680 CGOB. Rob, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brett.
Harry and McNabb, Mackling is off this week. Before we introduce our next guest who is in studio with us, Loren, we got a text from Herb on our text line at 204-780-6868 asking, like, what's going on on, uh, you know, I'm heading to Grand Forks and I'm at the Emerson border and there's a huge lineup of semi and car traffic, dead stop, nothing moving. And what have you discovered? Well, he's telling us just this second, this minute, that cars are moving again. But as of just a few minutes ago, according to the road conditions map for North Dakota, the I-29 was closed all the way to Fargo. Some icy conditions, freezing rain in that part of the state. I don't know if that's extending into Canada just yet as that's in the forecast. But the I-29 was closed much of yesterday uh, into today. And we'll update you with the latest if it has reopened. Herb says traffic is moving. So perhaps there's been some movement on that closure front. But that's what we know right now. All right. And if you're somewhere in southern Manitoba where you are experiencing freezing rain, please feel free to let us know at 204-780-6868. The wife of the man who was killed in a random attack just before Christmas, says they're grateful to everyone who is supporting them with thoughts, prayers, and even financial assistance. But an update given through Yulia, she's the wife of Ivan Rubinick on the GoFundMe page that's been started for them. She also says, quote, the pain of losing the loved one cannot be quenched and that she wishes the black wing of sadness to not touch any family. That wing of sadness, of course, hit her family and forever changed their family when Ivan was stabbed near Talbot and Watt last week. Police have said it was a completely random assault, that Ivan did not know the suspect. A suspect has been arrested. And what we've since learned is that Ivan and his family were new to Canada. They fled war-torn Ukraine for a life of peace here in Winnipeg when it all took this tragic turn. And so to help support the family through this unimaginable loss, a co-worker and friend has organized this GoFundMe page that we reference. Brett, and in studio with us now is Jason Dillon. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. I'm so incredibly sorry for what you're going f- through, and and I'm pleased to see that there's been some success with this GoFundMe, but nobody ever wants to end up on a GoFundMe this way, Jason. And, and what can you tell us about Ivan? I understand you were co-workers? We were co-workers at uh, Westward Industries. He was the electrician on site, and I was the welder. Uh, I actually got to know Ivan really well at our staff Christmas party, which was unfortunately just a week before the accident, uh, where he got to talk about his kids and his wife, and I got to hear about them in great detail, and them fleeing the country to for a new life here, and them looking for a house, and starting a new life here. It, he was a really happy guy. He was glad to be here. It's unfortunate that this happened, and it doesn't matter what we're going through. It's what the family's going through right now. And they need our help. Jason, I'll just get you to slide a little bit closer to the microphone if you could for us. Please and thank you, sir. So you say that he was happy to be here. So how were he and his family adjusting to life in Canada? They were doing okay. Uh, He has two kids, a 10 and 15-year-old, and them being teenagers, being new, they like hiding in places. They were adjusting okay. Yulia's getting used to Canada. She does all the walking she likes walking. She thought it was safe for Ivan to be walking to work. Unfortunately, it wasn't. That's what we, you know, we were learning a bit of the details last week through police, Jason, but he was just on his way to work when he was assaulted, yes? Yes, he was at about eight in the morning, unfortunately. A time of day. I mean, you know, we talk often, Jason, it doesn't matter what time of day, but, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd like to think in theory on your way to work in broad daylight, you'd have an expectation of a reasonable, safe journey to work, and, and yet this happened to him. How was the news shared with you and your coworkers? 
Uh, unfortunately, it was Yulia that came to us and told us what had happened. We didn't know what had happened to him. Uh, she didn't know the bill. She knew the building that we worked in. She didn't know the name of the company he worked for. She didn't know the phone number to call to talk to us. She walked from her house to us past the scene of the accident to come and tell us what had happened to Ivan at about 8.30, 8.45 Friday morning is when we found out what had happened. Was there at all any expression of a sentiment like, why did we come to Canada? No, her English is, is not great, so it's very broken. So what we did get from her was very broken, and unfortunately the information the police shared with her was broken uh, due to an ongoing investigation, of course. Uh, this has been a, a tragic accident, and it should never have happened. We're all in a little bit of shock. I'm sorry I interrupted you there, Jason. I, the shock, yeah, the, I'm sure that's an understatement, you know, for them, for what they went through to come here to have the peace in mind to be in Canada and then to have this happen. And then, of course, I'm not sure in terms of your connection with the GoFundMe, but I know you started it with a with an original goal. And how has that changed? Because there's been a, it's sad, but it's wonderful, a tremendous response. We started with something realistic. We were looking for $10,000 to cover funeral expenses that, as we all know, funeral expenses can be just mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous. We hit that rather quickly. We raised it again to 20, we raised it to 30. And then someone's like, you know, let's let's try and really make some money for the family and, and make sure that they're set because Ivan was the sole income for the family. So now Yulia doesn't have an income to help support the family. So we've got to try and make sure that they're taken care of for the next little while. So the goal now, if I look, it's it's $100,000 and you're at 80772 The The response you're getting, what's sort of been the feedback from people? I see donations of everything from twenty-five dollars to, to $1,000 just this morning from a, a, a local business. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Uh, it, it's one of those, like, people will give whatever they can manage to give at this point in time. Anything is helpful. It doesn't matter if it's $5, $10, $1,000. It, it's all going to help in the end, so any little bit does help. And if you want to find that GoFundMe page, just Google GoFundMe and uh, Ivan Rubinick, or we can send you the link if you would like to make a donation. Uh, so this is a good thing, seeing the, the amount of, of cash that has been raised after this this horrible tragedy. So will this help? Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that everyone's in a state of shock. Is, is seeing this, the positive that's coming out of this, helping people like yourself and your coworkers sort of move forward in a, in a happier way? I'm, I'm happy that Yulia and the kids are going to be taken care of, and it's one less stress that they have to worry about right now. There's a lot going on with them. They don't have a great support system here. Trying to find a job with the broken English that she has could be very difficult right now. And then the stress of having to bury your husband after just moving to a new country is something else. So let's take care of them, make sure that they can reacclimate to a new life that is going to be different once again in a new country.
Jason Dillon, so, go ahead, Lauren. No, I just wanted to thank you. I, I can hear, I can hear it in your voice. It's hard to talk about someone you know and, and cared about, and to have something like this have happened to them, and then, you know, to go out and sort of be a spokesperson on their behalf. We thank you for that because I know the thoughts that are coming in from our audience and on that GoFundMe page is that people they don't know them. Many of the responses are, "I never knew you, Ivan," but I can't imagine, and I think that's a sentiment many might be feeling right now. Jason Dillon joining us live on 680 CJOB. It is McGarry. McNabb Mackling is off this week, playing lots of country music this morning in celebration of Winnipeg's new country, Country 99, launching today. And a reminder that we have tickets to give away for pizza. We have a Santa Lucia pizza, $25 gift card, and we're asking you on our text line at 204-780-6868 about... A time that you bought yourself a gift or bought yourself something that somebody then later gave you as a gift, or maybe you bought something for someone else and turns out they'd already bought it for themselves. So we'll pick a winner on that at 9.15, but we just want to follow up on something here. This is this is just a fun little story about Christmas dinner, Loren, from Karen, <laughs> who shared some rather honest comments from uh, her grandkids and this just falls into the the kids really do say the darndest things file. Yeah, well, she told us I think it was uh, about a week ago about their change plans for Christmas Eve, which was because, you know, when they were talking about the preparation and the work and the 12 meatless dishes that you might do for Ukrainian Christmas, Karen said that her five-year-old grandson, this is last week, looked at her very seriously and said, Baba, I don't like any of your dinner. This is the worst dinner you've ever served us. So then he said, well, what do you want for Christmas Eve? And the kid fires back with, you know, hot dogs. And so all the different kids, the seven-year-old, the four-year-old, the five-year-old, all weighed in with what they wanted for Christmas Eve. And so Karen sent us an update on the Christmas Eve hot dog dinner that it was a total hit with the kids and the adults. Karen says, my husband made whistle dogs for the adults, even put Albert and Walter's original recipe to shame. Craft dinner was the most popular side dish with the four grandkids under seven. The mood of the dinner table is one of laughter and fun. They cleaned their plates in record time had seconds of KD and letting the kids choose the menu says Karen, although not very traditional was in the end, a great idea. I wonder what next Christmas Eve meal will be. <laughs> oh, I love that hot dogs and craft dinner and just the sheer brazen honesty from the five-year-old grandma, this is the worst thing you've ever made. Um, <laughs> sounds like something I definitely would have said. And it's funny, like, I remember my mom would ask me what I wanted for, what do you want for supper? And it like, this This went back to when, when I was a kid, all the, like, well into adulthood. What do you want for supper? Sloppy Joes. And she'd say, come on, I'm not making Sloppy Joes. But I knew that eventually she would. And every so often she'd like, fine, sloppy joes it is. And sometimes those simple, the simpler meals, uh, particularly in this kind of set, I think sure. this setting, it would be a lot of fun to just you have know, hot dogs and craft dinner. You could make a whole egg buffet bar out of it with different sides and different little accessories. What's the word? Accoutrements, like, you know, onions or peppers or hot banana peppers to throw on if that's what you wanted. You could still make that super fun. You know the kids would be satisfied. It's just, you know, like as a mom... 
you're, you answering sloppy Joe all the time. Eventually, yes, mom will do it. But I sometimes have to say, what do you guys think for supper? And then quickly yell out, and no pizza, chicken fingers, or like hamburgers <laughs> on the list. Because you know that that's what's coming. Because nine, nine out of ten times, that's going to be the answer. So I have to preemptively sometimes say, before I ask this question, the answer cannot be the following. And then I ask it. What if, um, what if the answer, the, ne- the next answer is whistle dogs and craft dinner? <laughs> that's okay. I don't mind. I, 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 all the things they like, I like. It's just that if they want to eat them six out of seven days a week, you know? Yeah. It's not sustainable. We were just talking about that border closure, Brett, at um, I-29. And I'm just trying to figure out now if it's reopened. It looks like it has. But Herb was telling us he didn't know what was going on. He got to the Emerson border and was asking us what was happening and listener Sean texted just now to say, regarding the border closure, yesterday there was zero indication until you got to the border. And just before their lanes, there's a digital board telling you I-29 is closed. Our side was clear and lovely. Then you go through customs and we were told to turn around to Canada or get that $500 fine for attempting to use the I-29. We went via the Lancaster entry and found the roads fine. Coming home last night... It was a different story. Found out it was closed 30 minutes before we got to the border. And that came from listener Sean. And I, and that's a good point. You could get really far down that trek on 75 before knowing the border, knowing the border is closed on the other side or vice versa. That would be frustrating. That would be like frustrating. Where, where, so where would be a good yeah. spot to put up a, a, a notification, like right as you exit the city? If you're heading I guess, that way? but you have like an hour and a half to go. So then you'd probably be thinking to yourself, well, we'll keep going. Maybe it'll reopen by the time we get closer. Definitely by Morris, you think you could have one, like another 30 minutes to go after Morris to the border. Yeah. And then that gives you room to make some different choices. Maybe you scooch over to 59 if the highway south of 59 is still open. What about the irony of the highways being bare on this side and not good on the other? So usually we're complaining it's the other way around, are we not? Well, yeah, it's just it, it's weird. Like the, the, Greg often talks about the Winnipeg Storm Shield, and is this now the Canadian Storm Shield that they had to, to that was so bad that they had to close the the highway due to freezing rain? And if if it's that bad down there, then what is coming? Like we've got it in our forecast that there's a risk of freezing drizzle with some fog patches this evening and into tomorrow. So is that the kind of thing that we can expect? Tomorrow, like, is uh, the highway drive tomorrow morning going to be nightmarish? I don't know. I mean, if you're seeing anything like that outside at 204-780-6868, please feel free to share with us because, yeah, even it's so this has been actually a really weird winter in terms of the drive, because even with my winter tires on, I find them slip sliding all over the place. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's been so mild, you've got that sort of freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw cycle. And uh, with the slush that's on the road that you referenced earlier, it's been kind of a, a goofy drive this year. And the fog has been a little bit, not relentless, but it feels like we have way more mornings where we're waking up and slugging our way through that. And yeah, like the highway, you know, 75 has been icy for much of this year, but to hear that it was bare and I-29 wasn't seems a little bit goofy to me and you wonder i just finished saying an hour ago that the good news of this warmer weather is that we haven't had any of those you know color i don't even want to say the word but the cl (laughs) you know where i'm going the the opposite of high the colorado opposite high 
uh, has not moved in. And so you're feeling good about the winter travel until you get to something like this. Yeah. And just one one other thought as well about the frustration one must feel by getting to the border. And that's when you realize that it's closed. Like you, you, you experience that even just in the city. Right. Like you, you, I remember they were doing construction on Nassau and River Avenue in, in my neighborhood. And I didn't find out until I turned off of Stradbrook onto Nassau that it was closed at River and that they were detouring people down a back lane. It's like you could have put up a sign on Stradbrook saying no access through Nassau. It would have saved a lot of probably a lot of headaches. So it's frustrating just in the context of a short drive in the city, imagine hitting the highway for an hour and a half or whatever it takes only to get there and realize, oh, it's closed. That's no fun. So, Herb, thank you for giving us that update. We'll it, keep an eye on that. It is open uh, based on the latest update. Now, 10 minutes ago, it was still red, but now it's yellow. So that's, it's not perfect. It's not completely bare, but I-29, it has reopened. It is McGarry McNabb. Mackling is off today. It's tradition. It has to happen at least once, Loren, when Greg's not here, that you get excited about the weather. Well, I forget it. I just forget it's my job when he's not here. Yeah. And I heard that music, and I always think, someone should talk, you idiots. Whose turn is it? And then I'm the idiot. But the font is in lowercase today. This is how you get conditioned to things. So I, I physically felt like I couldn't see the weather. Oh, like I was looking right at it, and I'm like, I can't see it. It's not. It's clearly not opening. Oh, and then yes. you started reading the sponsor tag, and I was like, Oh, it's right in front of me. But my brain did not compute that. So that's just a full falling on the sword there. <laughs> uh, so we're asking you this morning at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for San Lucia Pizza gift card, twenty five dollars worth. About a time that you bought a gift for yourself that someone else ended up buying you or maybe some a time that you bought someone else something that they had already bought for themselves. And I think we're just going to jump straight to our winner here, Loren, and that would be Kim in West St. Paul. Here's a story about repeat gifts. My husband came home from a trip excited to give me a golf shirt he had bought for me. I looked at the shirt, went to my dresser, and pulled out the exact same shirt, same color even. <laughs> the funny thing is he bought the first one two a year earlier on a trip. I guess he was hoping I'd really get into golf, but it never happened. I definitely have done that. I can't remember mm-hmm. specifically what the item is, but I'm, uh, I have bought the same thing yes. for people before. They're like, you bought me this last year. I'm like, what? Yes. I, I just called that. my sister right before Christmas to say, do your kids have the throw the burrito game? Like, Otherwise, I'm going to get it for them. And she said, yeah, you got it for us last year. <laughs> and I was like, so they like it? Or should I? Do they need to? <laughs> do they like, need the updated version? <laughs> I think there's like a taco versus burrito versus enchilada or something out there. (laughs) Well, you did buy me some quesadilla socks for Christmas, and many thanks for that. I look forward to wearing those. They look like brown vomit socks. (laughs) I know. They're not an attractive set of socks. (laughs) It's supposed to be ground beef. I don't really get it. I don't know what it is. It looks, they look gross. But they're fun. (laughs) All right, good. (laughs) And they look, they're comfy too, so I'm happy with them. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. Typically in our next segment, we tee up what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. No Connecting Winnipeg today. Instead, we have something special for you. Richard Cloutier's Ringing in the News Year special from 10 until noon. And Rich describes it as follows. Some of the top stories, trends, and news to come in 2024. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier takes you to the construction site with Winnipeg police undercover targeting shoplifting rings and a chat with a fax machine repairman. 
You see, in 2024, several components of our medical system still rely on faxes to communicate. Cloutier will also chronicle some of the top stories of 2023, ending with the surprise story of the year. But right now, we want to talk about something. And I, I saw this post on social media and thought, you know, we haven't checked in with these folks in a while. Because uh, I think it's one of the, honestly, one of the coolest, neatest, most historic places I've ever been, Loren. We're talking about Dalmavert Museum. So we're pleased to bring on Samantha Machado, Acting Executive Director at the museum. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a pretty basic question, but there might be those out there that don't even know what we're referencing. So what and where is Dalnavert Museum? Yeah, so Dalnavert is located at 61 Carlton Street. We're right downtown, and it's a historic house. So it was built in 1895. It's the former home of Hugh John McDonald, and it's a prime example of Queen Anne revival architecture, but we've also got a variety of artifacts from the uh, Victorian and Edwardian era, and it's a great way to get a glimpse into some early Canadian history, as well as look at some pretty things. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I got to be honest with you, it's one of those things that I'm sure I'd seen before, but never realized what it was. I just thought, oh, look at that cool old building. So when I remember when I actually visited the museum for this Halloween thing you did a few years ago, it was so cool. And I wonder, like, is it fun working there? Because it's just such a neat old building. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's it's a great time. It's uh, always something different. We've got historic stuff going on, but then we're trying to reach new audiences. And uh, so it's a very interesting place to work if you're if you like history if you like doing something different every day it's really a blast for me Brett referenced having been there for Halloween so I know that there are some stories on the more spookier side I, I believe there's theories of it being haunted have you ever seen anything I haven't personally seen anything no but uh, definitely I work with some people who have uh, one of our co-workers this past year uh, had a an encounter I guess you could call it where there was some sort of uh, apparition that she saw in the house mm. but then we've also got people who uh claim that the house isn't haunted so you know, you'll have to come by and uh, determine that for yourself well that was part of the 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 tour that i did it was a dracula themed almost like a scavenger hunt but before we we did the tour there or before we did the event you know we were told this hallway in particular is the spot that seems to emanate the most activity and I remember the person I was with and I don't know if she was just it was like a placebo thing but she <laughs> she could feel something in that spot that I couldn't and then when I tried to scare her just to be a jerk she was not <laughs> thrilled with me so no. <laughs> but it, it's such a big old place is it is it ever kind of just spooky like navigating it if, if it happens to be in a dark room yeah definitely uh especially for the new staff turning off the lights at the end of the day when it's uh winter <laughs> and we're we're closing up at uh at 4 30 and it's all dark that can be a little spooky um certainly going to the basement which used to be open to the public but isn't anymore <laughs> it's a uh, it's a bit of a creepy area with uh it's it's an old house, so there's sometimes some uh, some noises of critters or uh, possibly ghosts. You never know, but uh, but more likely mice. Hey, I was 30 years old when my parents sold our farmhouse and would still shut the lights off in the basement and then run like run <laughs> up the stairs just in case there was something there I hadn't seen in the dark that was going to grab my leg or something. So I get I totally get it, and that's a grown adult talking about that too. So uh, that's the spooky some of the programming that's been done in the past. What what took place over the Christmas and and what's still to come? Yeah, so uh, every Christmas we decorate the house uh, in the sort of traditional Victorian style. So the Victorian era was kind of when 
Christmas as we know it caught on. So you're seeing the Christmas tree being brought to North America and those sort of German traditions really coming to life. So uh, we have all sorts of decorations, including a live Christmas tree in the parlor. And uh, that's still up if you want to drop by and see it. But we also have a uh, series of Christmas carol readings with Ron Robinson that uh, wrapped up on Christmas Eve, as well as our Five Senses program for kids, which allows you to explore the house and Christmas through multi-sensory experiences. And we also had a lecture and an expert Christmas tour. And we'll talk about the fundraising initiative in a moment, and I should also mention before I forget, the website is friendsofdalnavert.ca. But you mentioned that the kids' programming, it's a museum with lots of old, pretty cool stuff that I'm sure you would not want to see people break. So is it stressful to have kids come in and, and invite them to be interactive with the surrounding? Yeah, it certainly uh, seems like it might be, but kids are pretty good at following instructions. It's usually uh, the adults on other programs that you have to watch out for uh, who might say, be taking the stairs a little bit uh, not cautiously. Uh, it's an old house, so stairs are steep, and kids are generally pretty cautious about that sort of stuff, but adults think they can handle it, and uh, that's, that's where the issues come in. But kids are pretty good. When it comes to buildings like this, you know, there's a lot of talk over the years of heritage buildings in Winnipeg and the ones to preserve and the ones that need renovations and all the rest. And I'm curious, when people say to you, well, why is it important to have this space and maintain this space? What's your answer to them? Yeah. Perhaps you don't hear that, but I'm wondering if that comes up. Well, we don't get that uh, too much from people who are actually coming to the museum because I think that's the sort of crowd that understands it. But it's definitely something that's uh, in the air uh, in broader conversations. And I think uh, for us at Downover, it's so important to keep history alive in this way because you can go to a more traditional museum and you can see artifacts from the past, but actually being able to go to a historic building and to immerse yourself in history that way is such a different experience. It's something that for young children really helps them to imagine a life, uh, a, to- a lifestyle that's completely different. But then you get older adults coming in and maybe they remember stuff from their childhood in a way that uh, they wouldn't otherwise because they're actually able to walk through history. So it's, uh, it's something to me, preserving heritage buildings, it's just so important because it allows this window into the past. Our guest is Samantha Machado, Acting Executive Director of Dalnavert Museum. And uh, the primary reason we brought you in today is because of uh, the fundraiser event that grabbed my attention on social media. You've got a little campaign going uh, to the end of the year. So what are you looking to raise money for? Yeah, so we're looking to raise $4,885 to uh, construct two small gates. Our uh, building the not the historic house itself, but the visitor's center, which was constructed more recently, and that's where our sort of front desk and offices are. It uh, backs onto a back lane, and that includes our staff entrance and uh, exit. And we want to construct some gates just to uh, help maintain the security and of the place there, as well as uh, cleanliness and uh, general uh, upkeep of the building. And it also has to do with, um, it, would, it, would it also help just in terms of like, what about fires? Would it help with fire safety? Yeah, for sure. So that's also our uh, fire exit slash entrance, those, uh, those two places where we want to get the gates. And uh, what happens sometimes is because it's a back lane, trash piles up there, and uh, that can definitely be a bit of a fire hazard. So having these gates there would really help us for fire safety as well. 
So how can we help out if we want info again? Yeah, so our website is friendsofdalnavert.ca. Um, we still have, uh, we, need, we need to raise about $1,300 by the end of the year to meet our goal. So if you visit our website, you can donate online. Um, if you come down to the museum for a tour, or uh, you can also drop off a check, or we can take donations uh, directly through the till at the front desk. So you'll be closed from January 1st to the 16th, but if anybody is curious to, when wants to see the museum with its Christmas splendor, you're still open for tours for that? Yeah, we'll be open uh, today through the 31st from 12 p.m. till 4 p.m. for guided tours. Samantha Machado, Acting Executive Director for Dalmavert Museum, one of the coolest places I've ever had the privilege of visiting in our great city. Samantha, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thanks for having me.